Are you ready to know your worth and identity in the body of Christ? Are you ready for kingdom conversations with kingdom people? Welcome to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I'm your host, Caleb McCall, and I will be guiding you through the word with preaching and teaching and empower you to know who you are in Christ Jesus. What is going on, Recovery to Recovered family? So pumped and excited for today. We are on episode 26 on the Recovery to Recovered podcast, and we have been in a series, uh, Ruthinator. Come on, somebody. This thing's been incredible. I hope that the word of the Lord has been blessing you, um, and I hope that it is something that you have been able to apply in your life. You know, last week we talked about favor. And this week in Ruthinator Part 4, as I'm going to share and preach with you um, today, the title of today's message in Ruthinator Part 4 is this, Wash Yourself and Anoint Yourself. Amen. I think we all know where I'm heading with this because sometimes you just get to a point where it's time to wash yourself off, wash your face off, anoint yourself, pick up your head and keep it moving. Amen. So I'm really excited to jump right into this thing. I've got a lot of notes here today, a lot of things that I want to cover. So I want to jump straight into this thing. So if you have your word with you or you're listening, you can listen along as I read the word. We are coming from Ruth chapter 3 today, and we're going to be starting in verse 1. I really hope this Ruth and Nader series has been blessing you. I know it really blessed my church. We had some Holy Ghost throw down moments in these church services and I started out um, when we planted the church there in Shelbyville Tennessee with this series Ruth and Nader the Lord had directed me to do so because I was coming in as the kinsman redeemer which we are getting into that concept a little bit today and will be even more over the next couple of weeks but really pumped for this I hope you're enjoying this and uh, just pay attention for the next couple of moments and let the word of the Lord bless you today. All right, so let's jump right into this thing. Ruth chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And the Bible says here, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. I feel like preaching right now, but I better keep reading. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go in. Uncover his feet. Pay attention. Uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what you should do. And she, and she said to her, all that you say to me, I will go and do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law had instructed her. After, and after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly, uncovered his feet and lay down. Now it happened at midnight. Pay attention to that. Midnight. What time? Midnight. It happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself over. And there was a woman lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter. 
for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Father God, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word, that the, the word would fall on good soil, that the seed would fall on good soil, and Lord, you would bring forth crop and fruit from it. Lord, bless your word. Bless the reading of your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And the church said, Amen. So we have been in the book of Ruth, right? And we've already discussed so much in this series. And we've established our characters and who they are and all of that stuff. And we've talked about what will happen when you leave the bread and the praise. And we've talked about not blaming God when you leave the word and the praise, right? And we've also talked about what praise can set you up for. And that's victory. Praise can turn the thing that was designed to keep you out into a ramp to get you in, a.k.a. Jericho, right? Last week, we talked about favor. I hope that blessed somebody because you have access to great favor. The favor of the Lord be upon your life. And we talked about how every believer has a level of favor, but that more favor is available to you because of your lifestyle, a lifestyle of righteousness like Noah, a lifestyle of virtue, faithfulness and perseverance like Ruth can set you up for supernatural favor. Come on, somebody. We established that favor is not the same thing as the grace of God or the love of God. You can do nothing more to earn the love of God or the grace of God. The fact is that you actually don't deserve either one of those, right? But because he is who he is, which is love, we have both grace and love. We have the grace of God and not the wrath of God because of what Jesus has done on the cross. The grace of God isn't free, but it's paid for on Calvary, right? It was paid for on Calvary. Amen. We talked about favor and how favor and how favor is actually what God does in someone else and not you. That God can put you in front of people and begin to give you favor. Favor not only in his sight, but in the sight of man that can take you from begging to owning. So we established that the favor of God has to do with your lifestyle. And what God will speak to someone else about your lifestyle. Favor is really where God begins to speak to others about your lifestyle. Amen. We talked about gleaning and how some of us aren't walking in supernatural. We aren't walking in supernatural favor because we are following people that aren't dropping anything for us to glean. My goodness, that right there will preach all in itself. But the moment that you begin to glean in someone's field who has something to drop is the moment that you can just so happen to get into the right field, right? Come on. With us, it looks like it just happens, but can I tell you with God, it is not so. The Bible says that he orders the steps of the righteous. Amen. To where you can find favor in someone else's sight. And if you find favor in the right person's sight, God can use that person to take you from begging to owning. Right. That's what we've been reading about from generational curses to generational blessings. I'm talking about the supernatural favor of God. Come on, somebody. There's so much more that I could actually talk about with favor. And I can, but I'm not going to do that today. But. 
I have felt led to move on this week, and this is where we pick up in chapter 3. The Bible says that what Boaz was a successful man, that Boaz was a rich man, that Boaz was a man of integrity, that Boaz knew how to pray. Boaz was smart. He was good with business. Boaz had employees, so Boaz knew how to work with people. Boaz also was not scared of a challenge, which we'll get to that soon. So Boaz here, Boaz has it going on. Boaz had a work ethic, and this is where we pick up. So do you remember that we've talked about Boaz and his name and what that means? And we talked about how his name means strength and also that he is a type of Christ. He is a foreshadow of Jesus, right? The Old Testament is Jesus concealed. The New Testament is him revealed. In the Old Testament, there is this concept of the kinsman redeemer, right? In the Old Testament, there is this concept of the kinsman redeemer right so in hebrew the word for kinsman redeemer is goel hadim it comes from the word legol which means to redeem as the name implies a kinsman is a family relation usually the next of kin if there is no brother or another male in the immediate family and according to the dictionary a redeemer is someone who buys buys back recovers pays off or exchanges something for goods Put it all together, a kinsman redeemer is someone usually nearest the nearest relative who is charged with the duty of restoring and recovering the rights of another and avenging any wrongs in exchange for something. <clears throat> Excuse me. By law, the kinsman redeemer had two responsibilities. One was to redeem the family property that had changed ownership. And number two, marry a childless widow and raise children in her dead husband's name. Ruth was not related to Boaz in any way, but Naomi was. Naomi initiated Ruth's actions when she went to lie down next to Boaz on the threshing floor, which means Ruth was within the law. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. Jesus is our Boaz. Come on, somebody. Jesus is also the kinsman redeemer, but this time to us. Since we are brothers and sisters in Christ and heirs together to the throne, that means Jesus is our brother, Hebrews 2.11. He is our nearest relative. Hebrews 2.17 says this, Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Wow, wow, wow. What a powerful scripture. Scripture. Sin has separated us from the Father, leaving us as orphans, much like Naomi and Ruth were left alone in Moab. So Jesus came to be our kinsman redeemer. Through his shed blood on the cross, he has bought our freedom from sin and restored our relationship with the Father. He has avenged the evil of sin. Wow, what good news. It's called the gospel, right? In exchange for being a kinsman redeemer, Boaz married Ruth. What does Jesus get? Our hand in marriage as the church. Like a bride prepared for her groom, we, the church, join Jesus in an eternal relationship. Now, for those who believe, we will never be alone. Jesus declared faithfulness to us proves it. Revelation 21, 2 through 4, through Jesus' grace and sacrifice on our behalf, we are redeemed. We have redemption from sin and we will enjoy eternal life with God, his bride. We are just like Ruth. Ruth's story is remarkably like ours. In her, 
We see someone who is unable to help herself and needs rescuing just like us. She must request someone specific to be her kinsman redeemer so he could restore and protect her in exchange for her hand in marriage. We are all like Ruth. All of us are in need of rescue and we cannot do it ourselves. We need a kinsman redeemer named Jesus. He's the one who loves us so much he willingly paid the price for our sin, which is death. And he has made us his bride so we can enjoy his grace and blessings for eternity. Jesus offers of being a kinsman redeemer is for everyone, not just a few chosen people. His grace is for all who seek rescue from sin and long for the freedom of salvation. Jesus has declared that anyone, hey, anyone who calls out on him will be saved. Joel 32 uh, and Romans 10, 13. No strings attached, no questions asked, just simple salvation with the promise of full restoration. Jesus is truly our kinsman redeemer. Praise the Lord for his goodness and his love. Lord, help me preach right now. Because did you catch what I said a minute ago? That the first job of the kinsman redeemer is to redeem territory that had changed ownership. Can I help us today? That's what Jesus did on Calvary for us. And by getting up out of that grave, what he did was redeem ownership of you, his territory. Because guess what? Before you said yes to him, you wasn't living under the ownership and authority of God. You was under the ownership and authority of the enemy. And Jesus paid the highest price possible to get you back he came in and saved the day just like boaz did for ruth jesus has now come in and took you from obscurity to notoriety jesus has now took you from famine to death from from to bread and prosperity and guess what if it isn't prosperity physically i can guarantee you it is spiritually because the bible says that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing ha you have the grace of god you have the blood of jesus you have the gifts of the spirit you ain't broke get up watch yourself off anoint your head because what was done in the first and second chapters of your life are not the end of the story Jesus made it to where you can stop begging and gleaning from the edges and you can begin to own the field I feel the Holy Ghost Holy Spirit thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord thank you God for your perfect sacrifice which brings me to my next point do you understand that scholars believe that Ruth probably did this for a year? Boaz had a farm and it was harvest time. His workers were busy bringing in the crops. But as was the law on the Torah, the corners of the field were left untouched. That's Leviticus 19, 9 through 10 and 23, 22. Those areas were reserved for the poor to gather food for themselves. And this is where we find Ruth. She was harvesting the corners of Boaz's field. Anybody listening today ever been there in your life? Feel like you're on the outside looking in. Felt like a stranger or a foreigner in a distant and a strange land. Ruth, while talking to Boaz, says, Why, why have I found favor in your sight? I'm a foreigner. Translation of that is, I'm begging. I'm dirty. My life is a mess. Has anyone 
listening today ever felt like this? Has your life ever been a mess? Have you ever felt like you're on the edge of the field, picking up the scraps, begging, wondering, God, when are you going to change this? I'm sure some of us in 2020 have been wondering, God, when are you going to change this? Somebody listening today might have lost jobs, lost family members. God, when is this going to subside? When can I stop looking dirty? When can I stop begging, wondering when is the time that I can have enough money to take a bath and clean up my goodness Ruth went to the fields for about a year she became a well-known presence and finally Boaz asked about her and he allows her to glean with his servant girls he explains that he's impressed that she left her family and country to journey to a foreign land so she could take care of Naomi but this unusual favor toward her seems to indicate That he thought she was not only attractive, but brave, honorable, and full of perseverance and faithfulness. Mm -mm -mm. Y'all know that's what we're talking about, right? Perseverance and faithfulness all throughout Ruth. That's why I called it Ruthinator, because she reminds me of the Terminator. Just how he was faithful to his organization, Skynet. She's faithful to Naomi. She's faithful to the call of God. She's persevering, even when she's on the edge of the field. Come on, somebody, because I feel like preaching right now. That, you know, I, I came to tell you today. That your perseverance, your faithfulness on the edge of the field is what will set you up for owning the field. Let me repeat that one more time. That your perseverance and faithfulness on the edge of the field is what will set you up for owning the field. When you can be faithful day after day and picking up the scraps. When you can be faithful day after day to glean in the field and pick up the little things that God's been dropping. He can trust you with the big things that he's wanting to drop for you. Sounds like something out of the Bible, right? Because Luke 16.10 tells us, Jesus says, he who is faithful with the little things will be faithful with the bigger things. So the question is not, God, where are you and when is this going to change? But the question needs to be, is this, are you being faithful with the edge of the field so that one day he can give you the field? It's not about the pain, the heartache and sorrow. It's God, what are you wanting to do with this pain, heartache and sorrow? Without the pain, heartache, and sorrow, she never gets to the edges of the field. I told y'all last week and over the last couple of weeks, really, that God, God never wastes the battle. It's the faithfulness on the edge of the field that sets her up for ownership. It makes the pain in the field worth it to know that it's a setup to own it. You see, Ruth begs and gleans in the field for the year, but what she went through, she would eventually own. There's a word right there. I came to tell somebody today that what you have went through, God wants you to eventually own one day. Have you gone through the field of addiction so that you can own sobriety? Have you gone through the field of depression so that you can own the joy of the Lord? Have you gone through the field of poverty so that you can so that God can supernaturally Hey, hey, come on, somebody, so that God can supernaturally have you owning prosperity. He did it with Ruth. Why won't he do it with you? Have you gone through the field of pride so that you can own humility? Come on, somebody. Have you gone through the field of divorce? Come on, so that you can own the field of doing a marriage right. God never wastes a battle. What God has brought you through or out of, he wants you to own. 
I say it again, what God has brought you through or out of, he wants you to own. Look at this deal with me and addiction and our ministry. God didn't tempt me or make me go through addiction, but he did use it. That field that in his foreknowledge, he's seen that I would go through. It was a setup for me to own that field. And now we have BTB and Miriam House. We're owning that field now. And the kingdom of God is being advanced. Transitioning here to some of the scriptures we read earlier. And this is the last couple of things I want to talk about. But look at verse 2. And remember, we talked about Boaz being a type of Christ. Now, Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Pay attention there. And then we look at Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water. This is John speaking unto repentance but he who is coming after me is mightier than i whose sandals i am not worthy to carry he will baptize you with the holy spirit and fire his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire what are the two common verbiages that we see in these two passages it's the fact that both have winnowing forks in their hand Winnowing was a process in the time of harvest to separate the chaff from the wheat. You don't want to consume the chaff, but you can the wheat. So it was separating the good from the bad, right? The process with, was that with this fork, they would toss the wheat and the chaff in the air, and the chaff would be blown away by the wind. Y'all ever met those people that think they have to clean up before they come to the Lord? They They think they have to be cleaned up before they come to church. They think they have to get their act together before they can come to God. And can I help those folks today? It's Jesus himself that says it is not the healthy people that need a doctor, but the sick. If you could clean yourself up, baby, you'd already would have done it. But that's why Jesus has his winnowing fork in his hand and he is here willing, ready and able to clean you up and get junk out of your life. Let me tell you today that this is why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is mentioned here in this verse. This is why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important. It isn't just about speaking in tongues and praying in the Spirit. That's just the evidence of the fruit of the baptism. That's what can take your prayer life to the next level. But the baptism of the Spirit is mentioned because that's where Jesus breaks out his winnowing fork and begins to clean out the trash and the junk from your life. Come on, somebody. The baptism of the Holy Spirit can bring about a clean fire to burn in your heart. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is there to purge compromise from your work, walk, to burn gossip off of your tongue. Come on, somebody. To, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is there to clean you up. It isn't about just speaking in tongues. The baptism of the Holy Spirit will take you from one level to the next level in your walk with God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit will create clean hands in you and purify your heart. The baptism of the Holy Ghost will create a hunger for God's word and presence. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is where Jesus takes his winnowing fork and cleans up the junk in your life. It's no accident that Ruth here when everything is about to change for her life, when she is about to go from begging to owning, she gets herself in front of a man who is winnowing. 
who is willing to separate the wheat from the chaff. And it's the same for you. If you want your life to change in this capacity, you better get in front of the man named Jesus who's able to clean you up from the inside out. Because watch this. If you get the inside of the cup and dish clean, the outside will also be clean. As Jesus says in Matthew 23, the Bible says in Ruth chapter 3, the winnowing was taking place first. Get into one of my favorite parts of this. Watch this. Then Naomi said to Ruth, therefore, wash yourself, anoint your head and put on your best garment and get to Boaz. I feel like preaching because I came to tell somebody today. One of our listeners today needs to hear this, that after Jesus comes in with his winnowing fork and cleans house, after you got that baptism of the Holy Spirit, after he cleans up the inside, it's time to get up and wash yourself off. Your Boaz is in the house today. Get up, anoint your head with oil put on your best garment i know it's been hard i know it's been crazy i know people have died i know people have left i know people have lied and made up stuff about you i know people have attacked your character i know it's been a long year 2020 been crazy but i hear the lord saying get up and wash yourself off dust yourself off it's time to move on that thing that's had you on the edge of the field is going to be the thing that catapults you to the ownership thank you holy ghost I wish somebody give them 10, 10 seconds of praise right now, wherever you're at. You in the gym, listen and give God praise because you going from begging in the field in 2020 to owning the field in 2021. Because in one moment, one instant with an encounter with your Boaz, with an encounter with the kinsman redeemer, who is Jesus, you can go from begging to owning. I'm reminded, watch this tying into anoint yourself and wash yourself up. Or wash yourself off, anoint your head with oil, get up, it's time to move on, baby. I'm reminded of the story of King David David in First Samuel chapter 30, where they had raided Ziglag and they had kidnapped all the wives and all the children, and they were all weeping and crying till they couldn't even cry no more. David's wives had been took and everything else. And and the people begin to talk about stoning him. And the Bible says that David began to encourage himself in the Lord. Translation there is David began to remember the times that the Lord had been with him. And now he had deli- and how the Lord had delivered him. He remembered when lions and bears were coming and attacking the flock and trying to kill him. He remembered the time that he had faced a giant as a teenager and God had given him the victory. I came to tell someone today, get up, wash yourself off and anoint your head and remember the times that God has delivered and keep it moving that remember the times that God has delivered you remember the times that God has blessed you look back and encourage yourself in the Lord praise God for your bad day praise God for your bad season because that's all it is it's just that it's a bad day or it's a bad season and days and seasons don't last forever so even if you have to put a praise on credit I wish somebody right now would give God praise even if you got to put it on credit even if you can't see the victory even if you can't see the winning mentality even if you don't have it right now if you'll put a, a, a praise on it God will do something incredible with it Naomi tells her that she was to uncover his feet and lie down at his feet, and then he would know what to do with her life. Then, then, then he would know what to do, and her life would change forever. I told y'all, Boaz, and this kinsman redeemer concept is our story, just like Ruth's. 
if you'll humble yourself enough to say, I've got to get to the feet of Jesus. I've got to get to the feet of my kinsman redeemer. I've got to rest at the feet of the one who has the ability like Boaz to speak one word over my life and everything change in an instant for me. You know, the Bible here in Ruth says at midnight is when he was startled and awakened. So it's at midnight that she got her breakthrough. Pay attention. It's at it's at midnight that he wakes up and speaks the word over her. All that you are seeking, I will give to you is what he says to her at midnight. It's at midnight that her destiny changes. It's at midnight that her family tree is fixing to be altered forever. It's at midnight that everything changes for her through faithfulness and perseverance. Have you ever heard or seen the quote that the darkest hour is just before the dawn? Well, unfortunately, that might sound cool, but it's actually inaccurate. The darkest hour is at midnight. And if you're within the sound of my voice and it's midnight in your situation. If you'll get to the feet of Jesus, he can change everything for you in an instant. And you can get up, wash yourself off, anoint your head and move on. I want to pray with you today. Heavenly Father, we thank you. For the story of Ruth and what it is that you're speaking to your children through it in this podcast. And Lord God, I thank you for letting us walk through tough seasons so that we can own that season at a certain point. God, I thank you for letting me walk through addiction so that I could own sobriety, that I can own my walk with you and so that I would be delivered from it. So that I can help see other people delivered from it. Father, I thank you and I bless your holy name for it. Father, whatever field that our listeners are going through today. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's uh, divorce. Lord, maybe it's a, a, a broken relationship. God, I pray that you would bless them like you did Ruth. From where she was begging in the field to owning it. And Father God... I pray that right now your children would wash their face, anoint their head with oil, get up, put on their best garment and understand that you will use every bit of the pain that they have been through. Mighty God, that you are a deliverer and that you are a healer and that you are an incredible God. And there was only one and you are him and you love them and you care for them and you want the best life for them. And you'll use every inch of pain that they've ever walked through. Father, we honor you. We love you. And we thank you for what you're doing in the earth. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. I hope Ruth and Nader is blessing you. And I pray that you continue to check out this series. And I pray that you continue to listen in with us over the next couple of weeks. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. I know it's not Christmas yet. But it is Christmas month, so you'll probably hear me say this the rest of the podcast until we get to Christmas. We love you guys. We're so grateful for you. Happy holidays, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Recovery to Recover podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit BeTheBushMinistries.com or MiriamHouse.com to become a monthly partner or for more info about our ministry and what we are accomplishing for the kingdom of God. You can also follow me on Facebook at Caleb McCall or on Instagram at Pastor Caleb Mack. See you next week.